0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out Weekly Fantasy Sports WFS on owner's box head on over to rotorballer.com backslash box and sign up today weekly fantasy sports is the best of daily and season long it keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games owner's box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system add friends create groups and rank up to uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level but that's not it Owner's box will be matching your first-time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to black backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 331. We are here on New Year's Eve. So most of you probably listen to this 2021. Hopefully, it's a better time for you all. That'd be great. Uh, but if you, before we get into the brass tacks of all this, you can follow me on Twitter at BDN. Give the rate and review to the podcast. It'd be much appreciated. And that'll be the last of my sales pitches today because I have a great guest lined up for us. We're going to do some New Year's resolutions, talk some occasional hot stove information going on. And we're going to talk about value. And I value this guy's opinion. You can find mm-hmm. him on Twitter at Deadpool Hitter. He has the Deadpool Hitter podcast. Mr. Rob DiPietro, how we
2: doing, man? I'm doing wonderful, Bubba. I really appreciate you having me out here today. Um, you know, it's pretty it's pretty wild feeling. You know, last year about this time, I started. The whole like getting into deep, heavy podcast listening and, um, you know, had a vision for what I wanted to mind to sound like. And I just started listening to everything and yours instantly became like one of the go to's. And uh, it's so wild that I'm here talking to you. So it's pretty cool. You know, it's a uh, full circle, but it's awesome. You know, I uh, I appreciate all you do, man. You grinding out there every day. It's awesome. It's great to see it. Big motivation for everybody.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I want to apologize. It's the pull hitter podcast. I always call it Deadpool hitter in my head because <laughs> you're the Deadpool hitter. It's the Pull hitter podcast. If you're looking for it on iTunes. It, yeah. I, I've you. done it many times. So it's the Pull hitter podcast. Right. And I should get it. I should get it right. Cause I've been lucky enough to be on the show with my other co-host Toby, uh, about crazy. And and that was, that was a fun one talking about uh, different uh, stuff there and really getting into the kind of how we look at 2020 and going into 2021 uh, conversations like that. So that right. was great. Um, yeah, you've been doing the podcast game. I remember it was probably a little less than a year ago, pretty close to it though, when you were you were asking me like what kind of microphones, and you're asking other guys too, not just me, but you're asking yeah. questions, getting all into it. So it's good to see, but the thing that's fun is did you have the vision to do this before you're the $30,000 man or after the $30,000
2: man? No, oh, it, was, it was before, <laughs> it was before, you know, I had a... Uh... Had a pretty horrible end to 2019. It was worse than 2020. So I had a pretty just terrible time, and uh, you know, just pivoted, just like really focused, laser focused on this stuff, and um, getting getting it out there. And uh, you know, it it's it just ended up great, like how it ended up like me winning, and I just started this journey ended up you know it was a lot easier for me i guess to uh link up with the big hitters you know helps. <laughs> but, uh, it does it, help. it definitely helped i i'm definitely grateful about that but you know everyone's awesome you know what a what a great community that we're involved with yeah and i remember to ask you about the microphones and every little every little technical thing you know watching PitchCon just learned so much everyone was so helpful um no one ever had a bad thing to say or like didn't respond you know it was really awesome to see that
1: Yes, the beauty of the community. It's uh, I've always told any, I told anybody that uh, is new to it, just, my DMs are always open for one. And B is um, never be scared to ask anybody. Like the community, no matter how big the person you think is, they're pretty receptive to, to talking. So that's one go-to thing I would say. But I have more to ask you, but I'm going to save that for more of our resolution section. Oh, it yes. kind of lines into to there, I think, about kind of your future for this year and whatnot based on last year. But So we'll go there for that. Let's jump into some recent news. The Padres have been busy, very busy. Agent Preller must have had a heck of a Santa Claus gift come under the the tree and decided we're going to spend all our money, or or at least most of our prospects, on some new toys this year. And we'll start with Blake Snell coming over from the Padres. I'm not going to worry too much. Like We've got Patino and and stuff. That could be an interesting situation, but there's a lot of question marks there. Blake Snell coming from Tampa Bay to San Diego. Everyone's talking about more innings. That's like the the go-to conversation, but I think there's a lot more to it. What's your take on Snell coming to San Diego and how does that affect uh, its fantasy value for you?
2: Uh, well, you know, Snell, it's funny because I think he's like one of those types of pitchers where if you're going into a draft and you like to get maybe like three out of your top five picks, I think he's like a perfect three, but also an acceptable two. When I say perfect three, I think it's like if you can hit on like some good pocket aces and then have the best of Snell. I think you're on your way to like a main event type of win. Um, And I, you know, I think the move to um, the park is kind of like lateral. Um, But I think if we get the geographical kind of um, effects that we had last year, um, he might benefit a little from, you know, facing weaker West team versus I think the teams that he faced um, in the AL and NL East, Um, you know – we hear the term risk with him, and yes, it is risky. Definitely going to acknowledge there's a risk there, but I think the injury label is a tad over-exaggerated. I think, um, you know, 2018, he missed 12 days. It was a young year. He came back firing. Didn't bother him until a full year after that. He had that fractured toe. That's not a baseball injury. Um, so he goes on the IL for the loose bodies, uh, misses a bunch of games end of the season, gets the cortisone shot, and then – even with the start, stop, start, stop type of year was able to, you know, power through. And what really impressed me is actually, I just pulled this up two days ago and I watched it was the infamous game six that he got pulled and I did a little diving. Cause I think a lot of the attention is to whether he should have got pulled or not, but we forget like what he did during the game. Um, he had a 21.9% swing and strike rate. It was the second highest for him in 2020 and the only pitcher to have over 20% versus the Dodgers in 2020. So it wasn't an easy thing to do versus the Dodgers. Um, What I also found pretty crazy was that the Dodgers swung at 15 of Snell's fastballs and came up empty on eight. And there was only one other pitcher during the regular season and postseason who got that similar type of whiff rate um, on fastballs. He also had a crazy forty percent CSW in that game. It was in the top two percent of all starts all year long. And for reference, for context, Giolito's no hitter was forty-seven CSW. So the boy had his stuff, Bubba. That's what I don't know. I went back. I saw he was reaching ninety-seven-four. I know the 0.8 mile per hour dip that he saw in his velos in twenty eighteen, but he was in the in the World Series throwing gas, and he wanted to pitch and. I don't know. When I see that, uh, you know, and in that whole context, I, I look at it a little differently. And um, maybe, maybe he can give you a similar type season. And even if he doesn't accumulate a ton of innings, I still like what he can do in 170, 160, you know, better than most. I put it that way.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's a really fun debate because I, I know when the game six took place, Many people had different opinions on it, like it's the Rays' way. So we, we, we stuck with the Rays' way. But, you know, it's game six. He's gassed up, like you said. You kind of roll with what got you there. There's just so many different arguments to be made there, and I agree he was dealing. There's no arguments there. I mentioned on a recent show that um, Blake Snell's press conference when the Padres introduced him, he mentioned a few times that he was looking forward to being on a new team that lets pitchers go past the sixth, and he wants to show people what he can do. And so he had little jabs going back to Tampa Bay. Yeah. So, there's a little chip on the shoulder and you, you can tell Blake's got that. And sometimes that's a great thing to have. Sometimes you can get pitchers throwing too hard and it adds up being something bad. So there's, 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 Yeah. There's, that's why he's, he's just such a conundrum about, it's like you said, he's a great number three if you get the elite number three, because he is just a couple of years removed from the AL Cy Young. So we know how good he is. Like he is that kind of a pitcher. So it's tricky with him when he's with Tampa. I really didn't want to draft him at all. Cause I, I believe that Tampa does their thing and, they weren't going to change. like They're just not going to. But now in San Diego, it's it's a lot more interesting. We'll talk about Darvish in a minute. So you have those two guys as your aces. There's injury concerns with Lamette. Uh, Paddock's been kind of wishy-washy. The rest of that rotation is kind of tough, where they need Darvish and Snell to kind of lead the way and save the bullpen from time to right. time. Right. So, Like you're saying, you could see Snell going there. So I guess the question comes down to, if you're looking at uh, for the reference of the whole podcast, draft champions ADP. December 1st till today, the 31st. So we're kind of be looking at, and you got Snell's the 17th pitcher off the board of pick 52. Um, Right before him, you got Maeda and Glass now. Right after him, you have the infamous, famous Corbin Burns, and then Zach Plesak, who I know your thoughts on that, so he won't even be in the conversation here. But um, like between Glass now, Maeda, Snell, Burns, does Snell still stand out as the top guy kind of in this range of starting pitchers?
2: He is. For me, he is, yes. Yeah, I... I I I'll take the steadiness of Zach Allen, but I just think the upside um, would be better with Snell. Um, and I think if I'm taking Snell, uh, like I said, it would probably be as a, a two or a three. And I I try to want to, you know, be a little more of a home run pick there rather than steady Eddie Gallen.
1: Yeah, so, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm curious I'm curious to see how his ADP keeps changing now that he is in San Diego because his high in the month's been 41. So, maybe he's been kind of creeping up the last couple drafts since the move's taken place. I right. guess we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see because I think there's a lot of validity to the conversation that who's going to throw more innings. And obviously, more county stats. Maybe potentially, I think we can probably agree a better offense behind him that might help win more games. Like, right. a, lot of, a lot of interesting factors there. So, right. Snell, Snell's a fun one. And then I mentioned a second ago, you Darvish gets traded from San Diego along with his personal catcher, Victor Caratini. Caratini's fun and deep deep leagues he's just gonna catch one day every five like he might fill in at first base and dh if that comes back so he's kind of a tough one to evaluate at this point in time but you got darvish coming off and a runner-up cy young season outstanding uh about the second half of 2019 where he was elite he seems to have figured it out right now with the pitch mix change and and the, the metrics coming over to san diego what's your fantasy take there because right now he's the fifth guy off the board which is pretty uh Pretty high already. It's going like to be hard to kind of jump the next group.
2: Pretty up there, you know. Um, yeah. I think this all comes down to your your views on like the ageist. Um, you know your you know view on pitchers up there in age and um, how you mitigate risk. You know if you think he's planted the flag and that he's a brand new control pitcher, which it looks like he is. Um, I think you can be comfortable taking him. I. Will take him where he's going, but I certainly wouldn't fault anyone for doing so. Yeah, that, that's, that's, my, I
1: feel. yeah that's my biggest thing because I think the transition from Chicago to San Diego, fantasy wise, you're going to see a pretty similar picture. But right. like, I, you can't really get much higher than what he was doing. He might have a little regression, but I still think he's going to be pretty darn good. Um, the, the hard part will be yeah, he's a high pick. Like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's, 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 there's a guy you mentioned. In, in the resolution so i won't bring him up now but i'm 100 with you i want that guy probably over darvish i talked about him on the sp1 preview with, with toby the other day mm-hmm. uh, hey, I, I, I legit think he's got the potential to take that next jump so we'll get and, to him later
2: yeah that's the guy who i would take there too over him so yeah yeah, I,
1: yeah. And, and so that that's 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 a tease listeners to keep listening. <laughs> a little tease but um it's it's just hard to take darvish who i love but i loved him last year when he was like in round three <laughs> it was so much I know
2: tough. I know and like I it's just one of those things where every time I look at it and I I question myself you know constantly ask myself should I be more in you know should you you know and it's just it's just tough it's just tough it's just it's still only 20 not like a second half of 2019 into a short season 2020 and you know it's an impressive run don't get me wrong but it still doesn't uh for me versus the his whole career um and he's up there in age but yeah, like I said, I don't fault anyone for taking him because I could totally see him, you know, being the number four pitcher this year. Yeah, it's about a 25 start stretch.
1: So it's not right. like it's a good sample but not a great sample. So that's a right. the part there. Um last thing we'll talk about for the Padres for now is they're still rumored to be doing more stuff. <laughs> but for now, they made a splash in the foreign market. There is a, a, an elite middle infield probably going to play second base for the Padres, but played shortstop in the KBO, um Ha Sung Kim, Kim Ha Sung Kim. Uh, came over, signed with the Padres, about six to seven mil a year. That's not important here. What's important is this guy has, has power and speeds, uh, depth charts, projection, uh, 244 average, 22 homers, eight stolen bases. I know Jeff Erickson on RotoWire. wire he tweeted out the other day about a low 20s, like mid-teens stolen base guy, like a 270-ish average. Because he hit around 300 for most of the last four years in, in the KBO with about 20-plus homers and 16 or more stolen bases. Like his three main years, he dominated. So. It looks like a very, very good ball player, and he's still yeah. young. What does this do for you in, in the grand scheme of things? He's going to be shortstop eligible in the NFBC. He's like the 17th shortstop off the board. But obviously when you're drafting sometime in the season, he becomes second base eligible. Uh, what What's your whole take on Kim?
2: Man, it's funny too because when we were doing the best ball draft, you know, and I was like um, – I think I was looking for him. I forget what dra- – because there were like three drafts going on. and I don't – praise the – for Derek and Brian Seymour I don't know how they do 10 at a time or right. however much yeah that's because I was like what what league do I have this guy in like <laughs> but um you know it's it's pretty it's, it's a pretty interesting profile so I went to just try to watch some video because I didn't see too much of it and he had a pretty interesting swing um it looks like it could translate to some power I don't know how much power but he got some thunder in his bat. you know and he he uh he walked more than he struck out. So you don't know how that's going to translate, but that's still a, a good thing to see. Um, and he doesn't seem to be sacrificing any hard contact, you know, to be, uh, to not strike out. And he's averaging a good 20-ish, 21 homers a season. So, um, I don't know, on video, it looks good from what the scouts say, looks good. Uh, you know, what, 12 to 15 homers, maybe 15 stolen bases. There's not too many guys who do that as is. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of, Possibility, There's a lot of potential there for uh, some profit. So um, whether I would take him where he's going, that's another, you know, it's funny because I see Paul Young next to him. And I think um, one of the guys from Fangraphs had his power upside uh, as uh, listed as a Paul Young type. So whether, you know, when we see that, um, it's interesting that they're next to each other. Um, I don't know. That's a tough pick to invest so much in that market, the the foreign market. Um I, I'm more risk averse to not do it um in in like a draft champions league. Um but I don't know. What do you think about him? What have you seen? It's tough
1: because you know when the pandemic first started I was watching some of the KBO stuff. I didn't watch it as religiously as it kept going on. But uh I, I he was one of the names that I was told to pay attention to. So I'd watch him a bit and I, I like the talent. There is some pop, some speed. I, I like the ability one of the things I focus on in drafts I've talked about is I want to try to get guys that contribute in all five categories. They might not be elite in all five, but they're contributing. And right. that's, what Kim, that's what Kim will do. Um, so I like him. Roster Resource has not predicted to hit seventh, which is kind of troublesome if you like go back to the whole um, Jeff Zimmerman's chart of where you hit in the order and how many have bats, so on mm-hmm. as the season goes on. It adds up in a hurry, bat and seven. So that's something to keep in mind. Maybe that changes throughout the season. Maybe who knows. But for now, seventh. Um I like it. I, I like it a lot. It's hard to take him and pick 172 because you had a key part there is the unknown of the foreign players. We've seen time and time again, Rob, that these studs from overseas come and it takes some time to figure it out. Or they just don't figure it out because as goofy as, you know, the major league baseball is because it's so watered down with so many teams at times, it's still elite compared to any other league you go to. Right. And right. I, I interviewed um, Dan Kurtz, my KBO, way back in the pandemic before the KBO started and I said, where would you compare, or how would you compare the MLB to KBO? And KBO, he was saying, I believe was like in between Double A AA and Triple A. Interesting. So this is like basically promoting, let's say, a, 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 a guy that in the in between seasons of Double A AA and Triple A. So let's say a Triple A AAA player. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Triple right. A player promoting to the bigs, and now you're saying, okay, this is my stud starting shortstop. Interesting. That like, right. doesn't no. happen every day. Right. So it's Good a way to ball. put
2: it. Way to put it into perspective. I, it, I like that.
1: Yeah. So it's one of those – and there's one thing because, like, I'm very risk-averse when I draft, and that can yeah. be a detriment to me, but I don't play a lot of overalls. Like, if you're in overalls, you take some risk. I get it. But I'm more of, like, I'm in a standard league, and I want to win this league. And so I'm more risk-averse. It's one of those – I got to see it. Hey, if you dominate, I'll take – you as a top-10 shortstop next year. Right, like I'll right. pay that price. But, you know, like you mentioned, Paul DeYoung. I love Paul DeYoung. He's boring. People hate him. But what he, he – low average, like 250-ish average, drops bombs. Like, it hits in the middle of a batting order I love that kind of profile. Jorge Polanco's right there, leading off for a good twins lineup. You got, you got talent there. It's just um kind of how your team fills out.
2: But yeah, yeah, uh, that's pro- the thing, right? If you want to go, if you need a home run pick, like, hey, let me go swing for the fences. I built this solid, you know, team of 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 just you know at bats all across the board, no risk. Boom, you know, maybe you do it. You know, I think it, in that circumstance, I could see myself even doing it, but uh, I don't see my, you know. I probably not, but you know what I have? Uh, I just took over a team in a dynasty league that Toby's in as well. And uh, yeah, and I have um, the one two and the one six and um, you know, I'm hoping that I can get him in that ring, like you know, with the one six and in, in a dynasty type format, I think, cause maybe he's, you know, a little bit more ready to contribute than your standard prospect that comes up. Yeah. Or I might just be able to flip him for, exactly. you know, for someone who's really into him and which I realize the dynasty, you know, leagues a biggie, really heavy on um, the name value. You know, you get a lot for name value.
1: Well, yeah, he's a shiny new toy. Like, right. you, you can get a lot from him, if, especially if you're on a rebuilding dynasty. That's a great point right here. If you're on a rebuilding dynasty team and you have an early pick, you can go grab him and then flip him for like three or four pieces you can use now. Right. Like there's a that's a great point you just made there that I don't think a lot of people talk about because I don't I don't do a lot of dynasty talk on here. I do have like three dynasty teams. I love the idea of it. I'm just not a prospect guru, so I try not to get too deep in the, the weeds of the situation. There's tons of great guys that do that. And I just learn
2: from them. You know, I just go yeah. to the site and I learn. I just and the one thing they preach is just to watch the video and you know try to get a sense of and sometimes, you know, in our day, we don't want to just sit down and watch some prospect play baseball, but I try to throw it on in the background and do be a little yep. more aware of those things, yeah.
1: 100%. And the last thing I'll mention on Kim, because he's a fun discussion, and I'm pretty sure I'll be talking about him a lot more as we get more videos and news and all kinds of cool stuff, is the other reason I think he's going high and everyone's excited is there's a lot of prospect guys that are excited about him. So right. it's one of those things like you and I, who kind of focus more on the bigs, we kind of are narrow sided on what we want to see. So then you see these guys that we just talked about that are awesome at what they do, they get excited. And so then you have a group of guys going, well, this guy said he's going to be awesome. I, like, I got to go take this guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Industry <laughs> so, bias, yeah. it's yeah,
1: so it gets kind of fun there. And, <laughs> hey, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. I'll, I'll I'll be okay being wrong this time if that's the case.
2: Then so we got a whole bunch of guys affecting the ADP market out there. <laughs> yeah, and I
1: guess for guys like us that probably won't be drafting them, thank you. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Let's go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I just came out with my, my relief pitcher rankings, and somehow out of all the positions I've released, I re- this is the last one. I've done them all. This is my most controversial one, apparently. People are up in arms about my relief pitcher rankings. I think it's funny because I prefaced it saying this thing's a wasteland. There's going to be so many moving parts because there's so many unsigned guys. Um, a lot of teams are still looking for guys, so on and so forth. So just kind of be patient with it. Well, people either can't read or they just don't care. One of the two. <laughs> But um, Jose Alvarado is a guy I'm a huge fan of. I'm a big fan of Jose Alvarado, what he did with the Rays a couple years ago. Then he had some family issues uh, that weren't totally documented until after the fact. Um, he was decent when he came back last year. He gets flipped to the Phillies, who had Hector Neris last year, which is a roller coaster ride. So now you got Alvarado there that people think will jump Neris. But for now, Neris still is on roster resource as the closer. What are you doing with Jose Alvarado come draft time? Because when you look at uh, NFBC ADP, you got I'm not even on pitchers, so that would probably help right there. (laughs) But um, I was still looking at shortstops. Thanks, Kim. Um, So you got Jose Alvarado. He's going to pick six sixty six, undrafted, unless you're in a super deep league. So what are you doing with him?
2: Oh my god! Like in that context, you know, you would say yeah, probably take a stab at him. Although I do think, you know, like you mentioned. Roster Resource still has Neris above him. I still think that's the case. Um, I still think he's going to get more of the save opportunities. Um, you know, Alvarado—that's just a good old-fashioned case of you know the save speculation, which is crazy, right? Is that that great? Twenty eighteen, he had it was only thirty-nine innings to go. That's it. <laughs> it was you know it was so far in years, but it was so close in innings. But one, there's a couple things I did like I don't like about his profile: his ground ball rate has just you know, plummeted from 55 to 48 to 42. It's going in the wrong direction. He's not getting much like swinging strike-wise. Um, the biggest thing that caught my eye was how much problems he's having uh, getting righties out and to a point where, you know, you, you just ha- almost have to be lefty on lefty. Um to see I've, I looked at some stack cast zone charts and like righties were handling his pitches down in the way a lot better like so today was swinging more and whiffing a ton less and having better wOBA on it so um and he's just too high for me when I like um for walk rate um he's just too high when I like to spec on a reliever I'm more of a low you know I try to get the low whip um spec when I do for a reliever um and I just think that the I hope so. For I mean, I'm a Mets fan, but I hope as a as a Philly fan that they're gonna add more bullpen arms to this because it's still disgusting, right? I mean, <laughs> we talked about roster resource, and you keep looking, and you're like, wow, they better add some more arms. So I think that's two. That's still up there, but I don't know. I, I I used to like the 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 profile on the Rays when you know, um, and he had the ability to come in and and get some saves chances. I think he still might get them, but I don't know if he's as effective as he was. But again, like I said, it was only 39 innings ago where he was really good. So um, maybe he can flip it around, you know?
1: Yeah, he can flip it around. Um, depending on the size of your league, he's still going to get you the ratios because you can get some good opportunities there. The strikeouts will be there. Uh, but it just might be more situational, like you're saying. And maybe that's good for Nares too, because Nares right. we've seen him be great, but also have some issues. So it could be one of those, like we're seeing in a lot more teams these days, it's like footballs and running backs. Sure. committees, man. It's just the way it's going to go. Um, this one can be short and sweet. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Gregory Polanco. He's got a fractured wrist. It seems like every offseason, it's oh, okay. Gregory Polanco comeback season. I've heard this story over and over again. I can't do it. There's res- people I really respect that keep giving me arguments for it. I can't do it. Now he's got a fractured wrist that might help everybody not do it. Um, were you a Gregory Polanco comeback guy, or are you just kind of like me and you're you're over it?
2: I wasn't the comeback guy, but I wasn't out of the range he was going at when it was like my first DC, I think in the beginning of November, it was, uh, you know, four ish. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe, but, um, I hadn't really dug into him as deep as I have done recently. And, um, now, especially with the injury, uh, I'm not. Even though I'm, you know, a lot of people have said that he should be back for spring training. Um, I know I went to Derek Rhodes' injury timeline tool, and it just was like, not good. Everything—the hamstring, the quad, the pinky, the forearm, the wrist, the ear—like it was just, come on, like you know, what's going on with you? But um, you know, I—it it was crazy because he had the COVID, he had the bruised ribs, and then he's, you know, his stat cast stuff was pretty crazy in september um but uh you know you're striking out nearly 40 percent of the time you know his 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 whiff rate in like every part of the zone is disgusting even like middle middle he's bad you know 42 wrc plus yeah i just think he'll have trouble staying on the field in general um you know uh his war is very low so i just think as an overall player he might not be seeing um and I, I forget his contract situation. I'm thinking that he's, uh, I forget. I just read it, but I forget it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I, I was giving it a shot before the injury. Now definitely no.
1: It's tough. Uh, he's he's out of options. So I believe. Oh, he's got club options 2023, and he's he's not expensive. Right. So he's right. he's pretty cheap. But uh, yeah, it's just tough. Like he can't stay healthy. Plus that the offense around him isn't great because Josh Bell's gone now, and it's you know, just. It's a mess of things. Uh, Texas Rangers, they signed uh, Kohei Ariara I, I, Arahara, sorry, um, from the Japanese League, and he's been one of their better pitchers in Japan. Uh, this last year, e area 3-4-6, previous two years below 2-5. He, he's an innings eater. He does a little bit of everything. So what's your uh, – I'm not saying you're running out to draft him, but now it's a Rangers team that's not great, but he's going to be pitching their second or third in this rotation. He's going to eat innings any interest in a guy like uh, Arihara?
2: It was funny because I think the one thing that caught my eye was that he, you know, he threw nearly um, 50 more innings than Lance Lynn last year. So, you know, yeah. we think of, you know, and that's, you know, maybe that's why they brought over a guy like that at, at that price, just because he might be, you know, a little bit more stretched out to go than what they have in the major league level. You know, it seems like he has one of those repertoires where it's a bunch of pitches and none of them stand out. Um, they're all pretty good, but he got tons of ways to go, you know, to, five or six pitches and you know relying on the change of pace and uh relying on location rather than that raw stuff and i just think um i uh, I saw some an article on fangraph that just showed the difference in the seam of the balls and attacking it. they said it differed a, a, a ton from from the mlb and that's where the pitchers from there tend to struggle with with the spin of the but they did say though that um they preferred that the pitchers had their out pitch be like a sink or a changeup, which his pitcher seemed to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is one of those guys where, yeah, it just comes to your, I, I think your level of risk, like where would, you know, are you going to go this route or are you going to take a shot at, you know, a guy who's 22 may have an upside year. Um, it seems like he might be able to give you some solid innings though,
1: you know? Especially, at pick five four, uh, forty-four right now. Obviously, I, that's going to come up a little bit, but I don't see it coming up a ton because I thought that last year with like a Josh Lindblom or whatever with the hype, and he still kind of right. stayed down in the weeds for draft season. So, you know, I mentioned all that stuff I mentioned about Kim. When it comes to these pitchers, that you know, you, we see the innings and, and he's based and the, and the price that the draft cost completely different. I'm, I'm much more intrigued to take you know Arihara as like my 11th pitcher that if he has a couple of bad starts, I can just drop him and instead of a guy like Kim where you have to play him. So I'm intrigued with Arihara. I, I think I, I could be buying in there just a little bit. Cause we've also seen in Texas, minor Lynn, all these guys, they make it work. Right. And so I'm very intrigued with that. Right. Right. All right. Just mentioned Josh Bell a second ago. He gets traded to the Washington nationals, which was quite the uh, interesting move to say the least. I know they've been looking to shop Josh Bell, they finally did it, and then the Nationals were in need of some help because uh, just a couple of years removed from World Series, the lineup was not looking great outside of Trey Turner and Juan Soto for the most part. Uh, Bell's supposed to hit cleanup. We know we had that big first half of 2019. It's kind of been doom and gloom since then. Do you think the change of scenery is going to help? Uh, when you look at ADP-wise, he's going around to pick 188, the 20th first baseman off the board.
2: Super cheap. Uh, any interest in Josh Bell? I don't I don't because uh, for for the most – the biggest part of my reason is that he just isn't in that range of um, first baseman that I'm going for, like where he is. Uh, I, I, I like to go to like – I think I'm up to like 120 with Goldie, and then I'm back in at like 238 with Rowdy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anything in the middle, I'm just – and he just never – I've never liked him. When I when I get my uh, bad buckets, my Chandler bad buckets, he's never like in uh, an asset area that uh, that I focus on or that like a targetable bucket that I'm looking at. Yeah, and you mentioned that you know that one great start to the 2019. And I just took a look at like his rolling graphs and his you know hills and valleys, wild swings and you know over and swing. And yeah, um, um, this is not a guy I really look to draft.
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's really, really tough. I've seen guys try to make the argument for him, and like you mentioned, the guys I'd rather take chances on. Um, even I'm a guy that would rather yeah, take Christian a chance Walker on. Walker guy. I, I was just going to say, Walker. <laughs> Walker.
2: <laughs> I, as love. soon as I looked up and saw it, I knew you were going to yeah. say that, yeah.
1: I would take a chance on him, and I'd even take a chance on Reese Hoskins before Josh like, Bell. 100%. Like, I agree they, really they're drafted him. right next to each other. I, I think there's something to, to, uh, to, uh, to intrigue me with Hoskins because – the one thing – and I'm, I'm not going to make this a Reese Hoskins podcast, but the more I keep looking into him for – like I had to do the first base the third base for the Black Book. So I had to look a little deeper at the corner positions. And Reese intrigues me because he gets a lot of hate. And I get it because he had that monster year a couple of years back and people expected that. But you look at like his really good years also uh, outside of like the last two or so. He's still at 255. Like everything he did last year, he's done like in his good years. People just expect so much more from him. So right. now you're not paying a premium like you were. He slides right in for me now.
2: Like, I, I, yeah. I, it makes sense. So. I've always liked it, like, because uh, I've known what I was going to get from him. You know, I'm never yeah. thinking anything more. Last year, my DC team, he... You know, he had a he started off terrible, but he went on a run. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. luckily, had some depth to bench him, and um, he went on a run. You know, I think like 10 11 homers, where he just you know, and he he it was the same week that my team took a huge leap in the standings, and he was a big part of it. And uh, you know, so that should, you know, I have a little special love for Reese over there, too. So, yeah, I agree. I, like, he's one of those
1: guys, and there's a bunch of them as you do your research, and you obviously do. Um, He's he's one of those guys that you kind of have a floor you can expect, but a really nice ceiling if things click. Where right. like Josh Bell's floor, I really don't know where it ends right now. <laughs> like it, right. it gets scary. So it's just one of those things when I'm drafting and you want to figure all that out.
2: And you're right. I fi- like I find peace in the consistency of, yeah. you know, 240 and 35. Like, you know, if I know that's what I'm gonna get and where I I need to get him on my roster and uh, that's, he's, he's consistently there. So um, in, instead of the roller coaster of a guy like bell. Yep. hundred um, percent. A couple other quickers
1: here, tigers. We've seen them do this time and time again, Sign veteran pitchers. They signed Jose Ureña, who when oh. he pitches is interesting. Like he kind of like sucks you in a little bit, at least in streaming options, long-term can be wishy-washy, but we saw some decent stuff towards the end of Miami. Then he has kinda got hurt what and whatnot. I know Toby really likes him. Like he's done deep dives into him. Do you have any interest in Urania who's going late in drafts right now?
2: Well, I mean, I don't. Um, and I really didn't do a deep dive because I saw the you know, the um the K minus walk rate at two percent and I stopped. Yeah, that's not um, ideal. No, no. That's not ideal. <laughs> I, I mean, so, but, you know, I, I'll take I, – I would love to hear what Toby has to say on it because obviously I respect that a ton. So, but I just – I don't know. I stopped there. It's just – it. he never drew me in at all. So, I don't know. I, I It's just one of those guys where, you know, and I, I guess this is maybe – uh, a little bit of a fault right when you just like boom. He's like, I'm not going to look at that guy at all because I know I don't like him. And sometimes you don't do as deep of as the dive, maybe you have to. So maybe I am missing something, but I I don't know. I stopped right there.
1: No, you're not. It's it's not a bad one to miss something on. I'll I'll let Toby explain it on the the SP2 preview we do next awesome. week. Um, just because it's it's more the pitch mix that he's okay. like a fan. Right,
2: um, and that's why I don't know. So boom, yeah, that'll so great I'll,
1: I'll have him go into that. And then the the last one we have here, another Toby favorite, Um, Hansel Robles, who was once a really elite closer for the Angels. Then the velocity kind of decreased. Got it back towards the end of last season, shortened season. Free agent, signs with the Twins. The Twins team that Bullpen was in flux last year as well. You never know. Maybe he slides into a save here or there. They still have Rodgers in town. Any interest in a guy like Hansel Robles?
2: Uh, I don't. Again, um, I still think Rogers is the guy. I think Duffy's better. It's just one of those profiles I look at and, you know, you see like, like your multiple choice test in the, in school, like which one of these don't fit, you know, in 2019 skills wise, metric wise doesn't fit. You know, everything else looks the same and that season doesn't look the same. So I will bank on the, the majority of his season um, showing those skills and, you know, just stay away from him this year. Uh, one more thing I want to
1: ask you. I should have asked you uh, during the Kim conversation, but I want to ask you before we wrap all this up with the Padres signing Kim, Jake Cronenworth now moves to the outfield or super utility or all kinds of, his playing time's in flux now. Man. So a guy that was very hyped up after a nice 2020 season, he has multi-position eligibility. What are you doing come draft season with a guy like Jake Cronenworth now?
2: I think you know if you still like the skill set, I don't think you should be hesitant to roster it. Um, yeah. You know, I still, you know, the whole cream rises to the top situation. You know, like uh, if you if you like him, I, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't say to take a step back on him. I, just, like we're discussing about him, maybe he's not as good as yeah. we think he is. So maybe he just falls right back into full time, um, and he just got that super utility, and I think um, it'll find its way onto the field. He reminds me of the modern-day Ben Zobris now.
1: So just embrace, <laughs> it, embrace it and run. Like and, it, the next,
2: and the next guy is Zach McKinstry on the on the Dodgers. There you go. God, more Dodgers. They just keep doing it.
1: It uh, just, just torments me. Um, all right. Value. This is a fun one because when I saw your tweet, I was like, I'm going to talk to Rob on my podcast anyway, so I'm not going to respond to the tweet because – things can get so lost in, in, you know, 240 characters in a conversation. That's one reason I love podcasts because we can right. actually talk about things and we kind of kind of understand each other that you can't understand in a tweet. Plus other people get involved and it gets just a million different directions. So I know I use the word value a lot. Yeah. And so I'm curious, can you first let everybody know what your tweet was and then what do you, what's
2: kind of the, the basis or crux behind your value comments? Well, and I, I use it a lot too. I'm guilty of it, you know, and that's yeah. just just I'm trying to be a little more conscious of it. Um and I the thing is I know what everyone means. That's the thing, right? We all know what we mean when we yeah. say it, and I get it. I totally get it. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to fight anyone on this. It was oh, just yeah. that I read I read it like the first time I read about it was um Todd Zola and Rotar Wire, you know, yeah. and he He's talking about his whole valuation system, and he gets way into depth of, you know, the valuations and more than I can even explain or try to. So, but he, he was just all about saying that, you know, it's all about the mindsets, right? You know, it's just all about how the way we're using the words. So, he, like, he proposed potential. You know, I just think, like, people use it too freely. Like, and in, into some most contexts, like, they're using it wrong. You know, like, we really don't know the value these players have or us until they provide the stats, you know, and that's at the year end, Um, you know, that's their actual worth to your team is, is when you evaluate their production versus where you drafted them. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest comeback that I get that I like um, is, you know, oh, I use it when I mean, I got Devers at pick 50. So compared to Machado at 20, quote unquote, I got good value. Right. But you're basically now just so assuming that, you know, what both of those end line stats will be, you know? So now you're predicting two, you know, certain, you know, stats, stat lines. Um, And then you can even, you know, then you get more guys lumped in, right? So compared to where Machado, Arenado, and Bregman went, where I got Davis, I got good value, you know? So now you're assuming, you know, four sets of stat lines. It's, I don't know. So that's what I mean. You know, that's what, to me, that's what value is, you know? Like, um, I don't know if you were like in the market for a TV and you did your research and you read all the, you know, all the reviews, 900,000 reviews, Amazon, wherever you can find them. And do you, you know, you had a price range, you narrowed it down, you go get one. Right. And because it was like the best acquisition cost for your budget in terms of like the price point, the reviews and all the LTVs you're looking at. And then in four months, like the picture sucks. Right. Mm -hmm. What, what is, did you get good value? right? Like maybe, maybe when you bought it, you're like, Oh, there's a great value, you know, but it's just a different, like it should just be a different term. Like I believe I made a, you know, a good cost, like acquisition cost for this TV because it didn't get you good value. Like, and so I don't know, maybe that's a bad analogy. I just feel no. like um, it should, it should just be more, you know, just a little more focus on how we use it and not so freely, I guess.
1: No, it makes a ton of sense. Cause I know I, that's when I use it a lot is, when we're comparing, you know, this player to this player. It yeah. brings value because I guess, and you say you know why we're doing it because in your head you're saying, okay, this guy should produce blah 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 blah. So compared to this guy who produces similar output, I'm getting value. Right. So that that's what we're doing there. But you're you're, you're correct because we really don't know if that's value. It's perceived, as, as you yeah. mentioned. So my question is, so we're we're on the same page here, and my question is, what should we call it? When we're doing analysis for a draft season and we're comparing players, um, is it the cost benefit? Because then people get mad that we're talking about the price of someone because they're right. an individual. And we shouldn't right. talk about their price. So uh, what, that's why what I want to have the comments. What should we call it that makes sense that actually is what it is, if that makes sense as well?
2: Right, and then I was, like, thinking about, oh, perceived value, right? But then that's another yeah. sensitive thing because then yeah, you're, like, exactly. then you're casting, like, a perceived, you know, um, you know. Just someone actually works. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> not, nothing worked above it. I've been thinking about it, and I, you know, like I say, I think total, like, Todd's all at the potential, um, yeah. the one you threw out. I've been thinking, and, like, everything is – is is sensitive or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this should, maybe we should like all just like do like a real big analyst dive, you know, like brainstorm, get together on a Zoom and and figure this all out. <laughs> all the proper terminology. Right, you know, because yeah, because you just want to be able to say like, um, I think for where I got Devers compared to the other guys by the end of the year, because, you know, you don't want to stay all that. That's the thing. So we're just choosing... Like a you know, a nice, safe route. We say one word, everyone knows what we mean. so I guess we just have to find a different word, Papa's yeah have we, to do. Need a,
1: we need a new safe word. We have that's to do what it. we need.
2: I love it. So that's yeah. our resolution, basically is to find yeah. a new word for value. We
1: we just, we just skip the, head to the end. So, um, but yeah, no, that, that's why I liked the discussion because I'm like, I totally get what Rob's saying. hundred percent agree. And I'm guilty as all heck about saying value probably. I bet you if you listen to the last podcast I did, I probably said it 45 times. Like I do it all the time. I think when I write an article, I write value probably 12 times. Like uh, I'm very guilty of it, but it's so hard to put into words without making it kind of a whole different situation right?
2: So. And I think it's a little bit different too you're doing a podcast you're talking about hypotheticals and you're looking at EDP like there's someone's tweeting out their draft that they just got in the NFC, and like I just got a great value on this guy you could have took the time out to say something different yeah <laughs> Well, at
1: least be like, hey, I expect him to produce here compared to this person producing here, so this is why I like this pick over this pick.
2: Right. That's it. That's yeah. exactly it. And we're just choosing, I guess, you know, quickness. Shortcut. Short yeah, yeah. First. we're choosing shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll we're, I have a feeling
1: that discussion is going to keep going on for a while. So yeah, we'll to, absolutely. We'll, we'll see where that one keeps going. But uh, let's get into some New Year's resolutions here. And this is going to be a lot right. of fun. Um, we're going to do five players each that we kind of have a pros and cons resolution on then a couple of strategy things, and then an overall resolution at the end before we're going to listen to questions. So I'll let you kick it off as the guest. What is your first player New Year's resolution?
2: I'm not drafting Zach Plisak. Uh, (laughs) Not where he's going. Um, I don't get the love. I think people are throwing out 2019, and I don't know how, and that's like the majority of his his sample size. Um, I don't know, just like league and division context first, you know, like the Indians – are getting they've gotten worse and they're continue to get, you know, worse, it looks like. Um the Central Bats were trash last year, you know, in that short little season we have. Eight out of the bottom ten teams in OPS. Only the White Sox were in the top sixteen in WRC plus. Same thing with Woba. Um, you know, they won two games in the playoff. They got smoked. I don't know. It was just like uh general context starting off without even getting to his skill set. Um, I just don't like it. There's a lot of um things there to be wary of. You know, Ron right out of the forecast, the Ron Chandler, you know, the top according to Rotodoll's Dolls in top four were from the central, and nine out of the top sixteen were from the central, you know. Um, so I don't know. Uh the swing strike on fastballs, three percent lower than league average. His whiff per swipe uh whiffs per uh, per swing is 7% lower than league average. Um, his his ball percentage, which um, another thing in the forecaster, they they have a link from ball percentage to like expected walk percentage. And, you know, so his range of 34% balls puts him a little more in that 6 to 7% um, walk, um, which is double than what he showed in 2020. The CFW in the last two years combined is below average. Um, so – i don't know i I heard he's a plug and play type of guy sixth and seventh inning he's gonna work but he doesn't really do great work in the sixth and seventh inning um you know uh in 2019 even he has 15 innings with a 3.2 k minus bb and in 2020 it was it was eight percent so it's not like he's getting to those innings and thriving so maybe that'll get cut off and this one is just a hat tip to our guy toby um you know can't do a show without mentioning toby but uh you know, he brought up that three two count stuff on Bauer and it was pretty cool. You know, I did a little bunch of diving on it and um you know, he overperformed in that regard too, like Bauer did. So um, you know, even going back to two thousand, you know, K minus BB percentage and full counts, you're looking at Sale and Maddox at the top, you know, nine and a half percent, Maddox eight percent, and police stack was at forty-three percent last year. So unless you think he's Maddox or Sale, I think that goes back down to like you know, two or 3% like the league average and, or maybe even a little higher, but it still takes away a lot of his keys. And something I, I think also ties into that. I heard Alex fast bring this up, but he had six pitches that were balls outside of the zone that mm-hmm. got called third strikes for strikeouts. So six yeah. strikeouts that were questionable along with the full count stuff. I don't know, just overall, when I look all, at all of that, I see regression and, you know, and, and, a, and a walk uh tick. Um, I know some people argue like maybe his great command caused that, you know, to him to overperform it, but the same argument can be made that, um, that, that luck led to the great, you know, ratios. Right. So um, that's, that's what I'm looking at. That's why I really don't trust him at that ADP. There's
1: the part that gets me is the ADP. Um, right. I, I did the diving on the last podcast. I keep looking at his stats I agree with everything you said because what you just argued there is how I argued Shane Bieber in the past. Mm-hmm. He lives on the corners. He gets these extra strikes. His command is elite that helps him do this, that, and the other. And if he slips up, it's going to be just bad. Like it's it's not going to go well. Please sack the same thing to me. Except police sack's velocity went down this past year, which is a little concerning as well. Right. But like you dig into his, his with please sack to me, it's he's very good. His command's very good. If he adjusts his pitch mix a little bit, he could be really, really good. Like if he stops using the fastball so much and goes more slider change of curveball, those three pitches are very, very good. Uh it's just a matter of he still throws that fastball a ton and it's not that great. So right. that's where I get my confusion with him. I still think he's gonna be a very good pitcher, and I wouldn't be shocked if he has a good season. But the part that I'm with you on is I won't draft him pretty much anywhere because at pick fifty six, it's we just talked about Blake Snow going five picks earlier, earlier. Uh, You have Lance Lynn going behind him. You have Sonny Gray, who I love. You have Carlos Carrasco. Like, all these guys I'd rather take. Um, The question for you is you have Zach Klesak at pick 57. The other hot-button name, Corbin Burns, at 55. uh, And Burns is a big question mark with innings. If you had to take one or the other, which one would you take? I'm taking Burns by far. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: have have Klesak as, like, SP-35. Ooh,
1: God, Dave McDonald must love you. Um, all right. <laughs> my first <laughs> my first resolution. This one is um, two players that I'm going to I'm gonna be very overweight on because what I project them to be this season is much better than their draft price at the moment. Ooh, I like it. And, and I like it. Tommy Pham and Andrew McCutcheon are two outfielders I'm going to have a lot of come draft season, especially Andrew McCutcheon. Both these guys are just going way too late. And obviously, these are November, December drafts. So we have a ton of, um, you know, McCutcheon picked 201 to me is lunacy. And then you have fam at 120. That's getting more reasonable. It keeps creeping up. So that's going to be interesting. But if, if McCutcheon stays where he's getting drafted, leading off for the Phillies, a guy that's got the chance to produce um, potentially 20 plus home runs, we've seen it with Kutch before. He's going to swipe bags, maybe you know, fifteen plus. He's slowing down in that regard a bit, but still, um, maybe it's ten. Like Steamer's got twenty six and nine with the two forty six. I think the average is low. They're low balling him there, but he's going to help you in all five categories. Close to pick two hundred. He's going to be a guy I got circled quite a bit. Tommy Fam, I love as well. So between both of those guys, I am going to have at least one of them probably on every team I have, if not both, as just st- stable outfield sources that I just put in my lineup and walk away. So I am a big fan of those two.
2: I like those choices a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the stable, the stable choices, um, you know, I think, and I think fam, um, he's interesting. Like he's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, our thoughts change so quickly and yeah. in, in such a short year, you know? So, um, you know, be wary of like, where do he end up last year? Like it's in the seventies and eighties by, by main event season, you know? So um, yeah, I'm with mm-hmm. you there. Those are great choices. All right. What's your second resolution? Um, to get as much Kyle Tucker as I can uh, You know He's super high on my Babs board And my Mayberry method rankings I uh, just love his all around skill set He's you know so toolsy already And um But besides the uh you know You get the power speed uh, You know I got the aggregate Of uh HQs and Masters Ball and steamers at 29 22 I like that um, But he he, he doesn't he hits all pitch types well. That's what I would I marveled at when I looked at his page. You know, he's he's hitting every single type of pitch With you know, not struggling with any any portion of the plate. He didn't have a negative run value for any part of the plate, the the heart, the shadow, the chase, the weight. Um I just see a, a a very professional hitter already that I think will only get better. And yeah, possible, you know. Would you be surprised if he did twenty twenty? Uh, only yeah but would you be also surprised um uh uh, i mean no but would you also be surprised if he did 35 35 (laughs) no like you know that that range of outcomes excites me and i think he's going to be more toward you know that top end so yeah um give me some kyle tucker this year yeah
1: he's a a very very fun conversation to have because he's going high in draft. the talent level's insane should finally have the playing time so it'll be uh very interesting to see how that one comes into play um My next one, and it's going to make a few people angry, but as a Giants fan, I'm going to say it. I am not going to overdraft Kevin Gossman. (laughs) Um, I love Kevin Gossman. What he did last year was phenomenal. He's not pick 118 worthy for me. If you believe what you saw last year is what he's going to be, awesome. But we haven't seen that pretty much. It's like a little bit in 18, a little bit in 16, but for the most part we've seen something a little higher. And the Steamer projections love him. Which is right. very interesting as well. We know he's made the pitch mix changes, using the splitter more and all that that jazz, which is great. But uh, he's still, for the most part, a um, a four seam fastball and a little bit of a little bit of a not a cutter so much, but a two seamer. Those are his main pitches still. If you go off of the pitch leaderboard, um, I just, I, I just, uh, the, well, actually, the split finger is the one. It went up to forty two percent usage. It, it was, it was pretty awesome, obviously, but. The splitter is the one that can disappear the fastest as well. It's right. the one that's hard to control. I think he's a really good pitcher. But pick 118, Pablo Lopez right before him. You have Charlie Morton. Um, you know, Lance McCullers, love him or hate him. He's around there. There's, there's a bunch of guys that I think I'll be taking the chance on. The, the, the price for Kevin Gossman in drafts right now is, for a guy, like I said, I'm not risk averse. He brings risk to the table. So you better have a stable core coming into it. So I will not overdraft Kevin Gossman this year.
2: That's a good resolution, Bubba, especially, uh, especially that involves your own team. You know, it's, it's, well, like
1: it's, so it pitches well. I get to enjoy it in real right. life. So it yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. What's, your th- what's your third resolution?
2: My third resolution is to, um, attempt, uh, a team build with Mondesi. Um, so you no, know, obviously, you know, I don't go through the discussions Everyone. You know, always talking about with him. It's just more of the strategy thing when I think about how to handle a guy like Mondesi. And um, what I think that people do wrong when they draft him is they stop drafting steals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think you should, you know, not like actually, you know, keep compensating, like keep targeting it. Because if you want to bake in his uh, you know, Oh, you think he's going to drop in the lineup or, you know, you're going to miss some game from soft tissue injuries. Well, if you're going to bake that in and you're anticipating losing him for some time, um, why not just back your team up with some more steel? So you could just keep pace while he's out. And then if he doesn't, um, you know, lose any time or he has that season that you're wishing for um he he could you know talk about returning value at the end of the year. he could very well be a first round guy, um so I just want to attempt a build with him, so um yeah, I think it'll be fun, so it's all about crafting, you know like really knowing what you want to do before, and that's it,
1: yeah, the biggest thing like you said is when you enter that draft room, know exactly what you want to do because. You have to be able to bob and weave, and I love the point you made. Is basically when you draft him, go and just destroy the stolen base com- competition. Just right. get, like just go and take it all,
2: and, and see how it goes from there. So. I like I like that call quite a bit. I really would love to start off with like him and Tucker in the second, third, like in the beginning of the draft season, it was like, we were able to do it. Now it's getting like looking at EDP. It looks like a little harder to tackle. Like Mm -hmm. I was looking at like going Cole first, you know, and then just doing the Wheeler, uh, the Tucker Mondesi type of, you know, and I was like, wow, Mike, maybe that could be like a really interesting type of build, you know? So no doubt about it. um, I'm going to give you two stat lines in 2020.
1: This player hit 289 with 16 homers, 33 runs, 34 RBIs, and six stolen bases. His teammate hit 308 with 11 homers, 28 runs, 33 RBIs, and three stolen bases. Pretty, pretty close. Not, not great, but a little less on home runs. Uh, if you look at Steamer now, player A, the first one mentioned, projected at 240 with 30 homers, 77 runs, 86 RBIs, and nine steals, where player B, 271, 29, 79, 90, and eight. So projected to be better than player A. Do you know who these two players are? Their oh, teammates.
2: Man, their teammates are they on the White Sox? No. Um, Braves. Baby Blue Jays. I'll give you that much. Baby Blue Jays. Okay, so you're talking about Tioski and Gurriel. Yes. Okay. And yes. I am
1: my third resolution. Lourdes Gurriel should be drafted ahead of Teoscar and will perform better than Teoscar in 2022.
2: Ooh, I love it I love
1: it I, I, I rage I, I, you know not all projections are hundred percent but we saw what they did last year and my biggest takeaway and I am a gigantic Teoscar fan gigantic teoscar fan he's not hitting 289 he's more of a 250 hitter where Gurriel, his lowest he's ever hit was 277 like he's gonna hit you for an average they both have a lot of pop they're both going to steal bases. A lot of similarities. That offense can be very good. So there's going to be some weeks where Gurriel drives them all in. Other weeks, Hernandez drives them all in. I think you're going to have more Hernandez slumps than Gurriel slumps. So on a week-to-week situation, Gurriel, I almost feel more comfortable is plugging in and going with. Um, and the last thing I'll mention here is the gap has shrunk. I'll put it this way, but Teoscar picked 73, Gurriel 81, 20th and 22nd outfielder. It used to be a much wider gap. So wow. that gap is starting to shrink. I didn't. I looked at the ADP for the first time now. When I made the the uh, resolution, that was I didn't look at the ADP. This was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. But I'm going Guriel over Tioscar, which is probably not what majority of Twitter will agree with. But uh, that's one thing. I, my uh, resolution is don't reach for Tioscar. Take something else with that pick. Get Guriel to pick after, or reach for Guriel. One of those two things.
2: I I like that, Bubba. I really do because like I'm looking at his. Um, on my on my Babs uh, sheet for displayed skill set last year, just just last year, and he's there with Machado, Jose Ramirez, and Eloy. So uh, yeah, I like it. And he's Go. only twenty seven, so enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. Good point. All right,
1: who's your number? What's your fourth
2: resolution? Oh, okay. So um, similar as to. Um, Honestly, I want to dip my toe in the water with a share of Vlad Jr. and Vlad Dito. Uh, Again, you know, we know the the arguments for and against him. Um, um, uh, And, again, I think this is all about how you like to draft your team, you know. Um, And I think that if I could really nail my first two, you know, my first four picks, two pitchers, two batters, like – Um, take an upside play with him Um, because, you know, like one thing I like to do is I go through finding something long for everyone at either a position or like a specific run of ADP. And when I did that for first base, um, his like, quote, unquote, needs more lift um, didn't stand out as bad as the other guys, you know, uh, pessimistic view. So when I looked at it in that way, I'm like, well, nobody else is really perfect either. So, and if he does, you know, um, it's just loft, you know, we're just looking for loft and um, the the best play is probably to wait one more year um, at least and just get a look if he can do it, but you not know, them doing league. they just, I like to, you know, spread my portfolio a little bit and he's like not a guy that I've had yet. in like last two years and this year, and I just feel like, I want to dip my toe in. I I want to try because uh, you know obviously he has that league winning you know upside um, that we all want. So yeah, I'm gonna try going against my 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 smarter instincts and saying you know don't do it yet. But I'm just gonna fight it. I'm gonna fight that one.
1: I, I don't hate it because he's got the plate discipline to at worst get on base, score some runs. He's got great hit tools. That's never been the issue. It's the elevation, like you mentioned, which is weird because when he does elevate it, it goes a long, long ways. Right. So it's just a matter of tweaking it. And you mentioned it. He's if you're in an overall, this guy could win you the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like if if he clicks, he might not. But that's the kind of gambles you have to take. Like do you do you take a gamble on Vladito at that point with his upside, or do you wait like till round 18 to take the gamble? Like the difference in the production is not wor- not the same. So right. take your gamble early, get your safer place later type situation. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get it. Like if it's a standalone league, maybe not. But in an overall, I can support it 100% because right. I think the ceiling for a Vlad when he starts to get going, you're talking like – and people know him much better than me. But just from what I've seen, I know the talent level. If you want to try to compare it to his father, which people say sometimes that he hits better than his dad, I don't know. But you got to imagine 35-plus home runs. Right. And he's, he's, in, he's in that lineup, and they're going to be playing in Buffalo again this year. Right. And we saw what that ballpark did It so, right
2: absolutely, absolutely, and you know what when i had when I had vine Bloomfield on my pod he 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 made a great point, and it sticks with me every time I look at Vlad, you know and he he said he goes, you know it's it it's harder to teach a guy to smash the ball as hard as he does than than to teach a guy to lift it, you know and so he has the one part that's harder you know, to do so. um, And that's ingrained in me. Thank you, Bloomfield and the Bloom boards. But, uh, you know, and, and I guess it's just like a common theme. My last two is like, you know, my resolution is to just be like maybe a little less risk averse and try to go a little more
1: upside play. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that's, that's one thing I try to tell myself and that'll be in one of my resolutions coming up here is as boring and as steady Eddie as I like to be is sometimes, you know, you got to look at things and realize, tweaks happen do you want to be ahead of that curve or do you not like we mentioned with kim coming overseas i'll wait but a guy like vlad we've seen in a couple years you know how close he is he's putting in the time like he was willing to go play in the the dominican league or Venezuela. i'm sorry puerto rican league or one of the ones down there um which he didn't need to do like he does like he's he's got an established position like he did not need to be there and he was there so that just tells you kind of where he's at in this whole thing that he's really I trying think, to figure it out.
2: Right. And I think that's a big thing to take into context. You know, you see the weight, yep. you know, come off, yeah. you see that. Um, so maybe Papa got in his ear, you know, and say, yep. Hey buddy, Hey, you want to be great. It's, it's time to smarten up, you know, and sometimes, okay, you're right. You know, like he got this far just on raw talent. skill, you know, and talent and, um, and plus, you know, that dual eligibility, if he goes back to yep. third, he'll get that third back. Right. So first and third um, I'm saying. So, yeah. Go on Vladito. Don't hate it at all. You're going to start twisting my arm, it seems like.
1: Because <laughs> I, I get tell myself no, and then my next resolution will kind of go that route is if you don't get one of the big first basemen early, and I'll throw Vlad in there to be nice. But um, that position, like there's that middle area of like the top 10, a lot of volatility in there. Right. Like, like the Voits and the, the Alonzos and the Olsons. a lot of upside, a lot of ceiling, a lot of volatility. I think this is one of those years where I've kind of avoided them in recent years. But the boring Anthony Rizzo's and Paul Goldschmidt's of the world going about pick 100 mm. is I, – I, they're just so boring to pick. They just It's like watching paint dry. <laughs> but you look at their end-of-season numbers and it's just like, yeah, they were a top 10 first baseman. And now I'm getting them outside pick 100. These are guys I used to pick early in drafts. Um, I don't have any of them on my rosters at the moment because when I go to take them, someone else jumps ahead of me there. But it's one of those like both teams, Rizzo – the back issues always concern me, but I think as a whole that Cubs offense was so bad last year, they can't all be that bad again. They just can't. And then the Cardinals with the COVID situation and everything, I'm gonna give that a, just a complete their schedule is a just disaster. So I think you're getting interesting prices on Goldie and Rizzo that I'm gonna to try to convince myself to not be as bullish on them and be willing to roster them a little more than I had in
2: previous years. I and I and you know what? I think it's the smart play. You know, you see Dom Smith and Monty and uh, you know, the guys around them and I don't know. I, 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 I find myself, I did a dc in the beginning of november and it was one of like an early one and i got goldsmith in the 120s and i was yeah. super ecstatic and I ended up getting santana in the 400 that was that, just, the santana price is just yeah and, and, you know and that was like first thing when he was still a free agent so it was it he's was still 281 in the month of december that's ridiculous wow. he's yeah. going after andrew vaughn who doesn't have a job at the moment doesn't have a job it's pretty wild <laughs> it's really crazy right but yeah no i love that because even in the best balls i think in the and in the three best balls I've done, I've gotten either Rizzo or Goldie, So that's the way I'm going with first base right now. It seems to be where I like to fall. I yep. see those guys where they're going 100. You know, I think I've you know gotten them each time in the 100. And the best ball, they went a little higher because I just wanted to make sure I got first base. And But but those were – they were my targets, you know, when I wanted to go first. Yep, I'm with you there. What is your fifth player resolution? Oh, uh, is this is going back to our Darvish talk, and this is – um, Mr. Giolito, um I want him uh on my fantasy team this year <laughs> for sure. Uh yeah. Uh that zone contact, you know, if that's the one that draws me and I think I think that's the biggest driver of me targeting him. He's just he throws it in there and they're not doing anything with it. three pitches. Um three pitches with CSW is over thirty two percent. He's a stud. He just I, I just uh yeah, so I, I, I wanna be brave enough to, you know, maybe when I get up to those March drafts to take him at the end of the first round. Yep. If no, I think there already. I think he almost did or I think that's he all. He's watch. close. He's picked twenty or he's 15, as high as fifteen. So yeah. Maybe, 10, yeah. Nine,
1: someone went seven, there nine. already once. So yeah. he probably so my, end up
2: there though, right? I guess that's the word.
1: No, he's gonna he's gonna creep in there. Like Toby was saying, he wouldn't be shocked if like seven or eight guys enter the first round by by March.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's do just the now. now
1: <laughs> <laughs> All the bats that start falling. Yeah, you know, yeah. Trevor Story middle around two. Like, Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: please sign me up.
1: So mine kind of goes in the g vein because you had G-Lito, so I don't want to go just straight g But people, if they listen to the last podcast, episode 330, you know exactly what I feel on g and And like, he's the guy that if you had to pick one guy to jump into the top three, um, it's him. Like he, I think he can be number one. Like he's, I think he's that good. So right. I like Gilito a ton. So I want to draft Gilito. But what I'll say in a roundabout way is I want – my goal, like I've talked about a, a lot of places, I want at least three pitchers in the first five rounds. That, that's one thing I really, really want to do because I feel like as much as I like to wade in the middle of the starting pitcher world, it's really, really murky. So I want like three guys I can trust week in and week out. You're, you're in my lineup. I don't have to worry about you. You're in. Um, but to make it a finer point, I want to make sure I get at least one of the big three, to ground Bieber, Giolito, or Luis Castillo. I want one of those five to be my ace every, every go-round. So that'll be my resolution. I want to make sure I leave every draft at least one of those big five
2: for me. Right, right, and not just say, oh, but Jose Ramirez yeah. was right there. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. It's tough. It's tough because I've always been a bad guy first. And- so am I. I can tell right. about
1: Three years ago, like I would never take a picture like before, like round seven or something. I right. thought it was crazy talk, but that's where of- the
2: values, are, oh, the value. That's where <laughs> that's where Fair. the profit. That's where the profit is laying right now, though. It, it's grabbing those guys early because of the way the the ADP's falling, you know. So um, it's it's definitely a good strategy.
1: All right, now we're gonna do three resolutions, like three goals or changes to our our strategies, the way we play fantasy baseball as as fantasy baseball players. Ready three resolutions. So go with your first one for this is all about you. It doesn't be player based, whatever.
2: What's your first one? Oh my first goal is uh to, to win the main event that I get into this year. Um, always a good goal. Yeah, yeah. So last year this year, this year, last year it was my first go around and it was a learning experience, an expensive one, but it was it was great. Um and you know, I uh I know what I need to get better. So, you no, know, I really wanna I really wanna get into it and, and do it, you know. Well, that's one of
1: the kudos I want to give you because you've you've opened my eyes to a lot of things because you're very open and honest about your performances, which I think everybody needs to be, but not everybody is. And you flat out, like you barely ever talk about winning the DC unless someone asks you. You almost always talk about how you got smoked in a main event and what you've learned from that. And I think that's so important to, you know, we can always do fun, good things and be successful at certain things. But unless you learn from what you did wrong, I know this is very cliche, you're never going to get better. And you talk about it so much, and I think it's really interesting because it's not like you were in a ten dollars best ball, like you were in a main event where you had to pony up some cash. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I it is what it is. It might have been the best investment I ever made type thing. Like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna move on from that. I think that's very important for people to listen to because I don't play in the high 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 stake stuff. Um, so I, I'm not there. I live vicariously through many of you. And um, when I hear you guys talk about it, most guys it's like. You watch them on Twitter; they they're living and dying with caching. Where you like, we're like, okay, well, we're gonna do this. I, I learned this. I learned this. I'm gonna do better here. I'm like, wow, like you, you like you didn't even like sulk for a while. You're just like, okay, we're moving on. This is what yeah. we got going. <laughs> I'm like that. that was big. So I want to give you kudos there. Thank and you. then the other question I was gonna ask you earlier in the pod, but I wanted to wait till now because you mentioned you're gonna be in the main event. How many main events, how many draft champions are you plan on doing? Since you were the overall draft champions winner last year, you have a little extra bankroll probably in your mm-hmm. NPC account. What are you planning on going with your, your play exposure this year?
2: I'm still going to only do one main event um, because I want to focus in on it. I don't want to get spread too thin. Um, I like that. Um, I feel like I had that last year with general home – yeah, like general home leagues and um, – uh, I was in a, a little over my head sometimes with fab and uh, I just want to make sure that I can you know give my all to one league and um get better at that. So I'm going to stick to the one main um I just bought a three pack of uh you know draft champions the 150 ones. Um yeah, I'm not going crazy, you know, because uh you know, I haven't worked in a year either. So that's uh, it kind of offset the uh, me winning. So uh but you know, um, not gonna go nuts, just gonna keep it respectable again, you know, like probably three to five DCs. I see myself doing it, probably two or three more of those, uh, you know, the uh the the best balls, you know, and maybe, yeah. you know, a couple of the of the uh ten dollar ones with the uh with the industry because that's fun. And uh um, yeah. I actually just um you know, we're doing the bottle of the battle of the pod uh yep, pod, we're that one. podcast week yeah. and um Matty Wood just started a standalone NFBC league, but you had to have uh, okay. Teammates. Yeah, you have to have a partner. And that um, was pretty cool. It was a highlight of my day when Jenny Butler, you know, the end of me cool and, asking me if I wanted to play. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, Jenny, let's do it. So I'm super excited. And just like, you know, three, I got about two or three dynasty leagues and one homekeeper league. And that's it. You know, it's a lot. But um, yeah, not going to go super crazy with the mains. You know, I just want to concentrate on one and, and win it.
1: No, I'm not, and you said it well because that's how. That's one reason why I keep doing these industry leagues. A, because I like to draft. B, I like to get more people in them. And C, they're best balls, so I don't have to worry about fab later. Right. Like, we can still have fun. We can still do our thing. Right. I draft champions, the same one doing the NFC 50s. Similar stuff. Like, right. when it comes down to fab, I really – it's it's so time-consuming. If you want to do it right, you can't have a ton unless – Like I know I keep bringing Toby up, but he talks about it. The dude is like a zombie come Sunday afternoon. We used to do Sunday night shows, and I'm usually tired on Sunday nights, but he's exhausted because Saturday night he stays up to like 3 or 4 in the morning. Doing fab, like that's just I, I can't do that. So like I give him power, he can do it, but uh, I, I can't do it. So I try to limit the the deal there. So I, I'm glad you said that. I think um I won't give away all the teams that are in the um the one Maddie's putting together, but I think it's cool. Like you and Jenny, like it's unique combos. It's not just like exclusive to like big names in the industry. Yeah. I think it's really cool seeing like um the other one I'll mention. I won't mention my like like Justin Mason's going to team up with Shelly V. I right. think that's awesome. Right. Right. Like. Like there's some really cool combos that I love how certain things in the industry don't seclude everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And totally. I, that, so I'm a big fantasy and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, me too. I'm
1: excited about that. It's so cool. Okay. My first one, and it's, it's kind of, you, you picked the main, I, I picked a different route. Uh, I, I was going to start doing it last year, the, the pandemic hit. So I did not continue on, but it was a big topic of conversation before last season when I was talking on Twitter and people think I hated the NFEC and that was not it at all. It was about the price points for a lot of the average player. can't play in these tournaments. Right. right. So I use the argument that if you think you're good enough, we can build bankrolls. So it's kind of like a bankroll challenge. So I was going to do anywhere from three to five, like um, road a wire qualifiers that are 50 bucks each and stuff like that. Like to kind of show how can we build our bankroll to move up the levels? Cause that was the argument everybody made. So my goal I'm going to enter five-ish, maybe a couple more of those Roto-Wire qualifiers. And my goal is to win at least two of them.
0: That's and
1: awesome. So I'm to, that, like, that's the thing is I'm going to try to limit to those. And then I'll have like, a couple other Fab Leagues. So those, will be, like, those will be my exclusive like, Fab Leagues. And then and, and part of me thinks, okay, I can go spend you know, a few hundred bucks doing that instead of thing, one big thing. That's kind of my mindset. But my goal is to show people we can, we can do this. And that's kind of how I want to go about it. So my goal is to win at least two of the qualifiers. That's my goal this year.
2: That's awesome. That's that's awesome. I like that. And I like that, you know, just showing people that there's different ways to get to where, you know, you wanna play and um and people with DM and me that weren't really uh knew about the NFC. And I didn't you know, this is my first year. Well, I did a second chance league in twenty nineteen, but twenty twenty was my first full season playing NFBC. You know, it took me a while to get to there too, but it was just did it at home, you know, it was just you know uh winning leagues at home and just getting on a bankroll and if it wasn't going on vacation with the wife it was you know she you know i i I told her it was a goal of mine you know last year it's like when i win one of the home leagues i want to play this league this main event league you know i want to and i want to play against the best and so um you know that was my goal and like you said it's great because you can show people like hey you don't have to just go there immediately you know have a firm place uh Firm step in hand, you know, and and get there. I like that.
1: And you get comfortable with the formats and all that stuff before you're just jumping into the shark infested
2: waters. Like, that's <laughs> no, that's huge. Right.
1: Yeah. All right, what's your number two?
2: Oh, so my number two is I just want to become more well versed on like valuation systems. You know, to hear Toby and Phil talk about the SGP and um the you know, reading the process, talking about the Z score methods and think about that. And I, I, I never really dabbled with, you know, like spreadsheets and and stuff like that, you know, like, uh, union carpenters don't really fuck with that stuff. So, (laughs) but so now that I'm learning stuff and I'm like, Oh wow, this is cool. Like what, you know, and not to say I'm just going to totally use it, but I just want to, you know, know about it. I want to know what, you know, what everything, um, means and how other people approach, uh, you know, valuing players, are. cause I think it's pretty cool how sometimes, you know, I'll talk to plenty of people and i will talk about a player and it's like, wow, you do things so differently than I do, but we feel the same way about a player. You know, and I marvel at that because it's pretty cool how we can get to the same decision on a person with having different routes to get there. So that's my goal. I want to learn, I want to learn, um, SGP, um, and, you know, really understand it and, you know, Maybe try to incorporate it anywhere I can to help me because I think um, part of winning a main event is like I have I want to know what other pe- like how other people draft too. So um, if I can have if I could notice uh, a trend of the way guys drafted or evaluation system you may be using, maybe I can use it to my advantage. So um you know, that's my that's my second goal.
1: Yeah, my second is very similar to that. It's I want to I don't know if I'll get to it this year, but I want to keep working towards it. I want to be able to like make my own projections. Ooh, but thanks. a lot of that involves Excel work and stuff that I'm very stupid with. So <laughs> I, got, I want to be able to do stuff like that so I can use what's in my head of how I'm looking at this player and talking about this player and actually show it to people. Like These are why I feel this way about them. Instead of just reading Steamer, which they're really solid and they're good for a reason, so that's why I use them. But I want to be able to come up with maybe not like ATC projections, but use something that I can make work. And I might just do it, you know, go with the, the the smart fantasy one and go check out all that stuff. I don't know. But I want to be able to do something kind of more customizable to my thought process, my draft process. Maybe when I do that, then there's guys that stand out or don't stand out that I need to go look at more stuff along right. those lines. And I want to be able to do that. And, and people say, even Phil talks about it, it's super simple with Excel. And when I was in college, I, I knew it very well. College was a long time ago. So um, I, I need to get back into that. But I'd love to be able to. Get closer to doing like my own projections instead of the joke I make on the show that I'll give you caveman projections. We'll <laughs> go from there. So that's one. That's that's my number two.
2: And and, and that's and that's you know it's it's funny you mentioned Phil like he's great. Phil's awesome. Like and you know when he he tells me the same thing you say like he he just wants to be able to know that it's his valuation. It's his you know outlook on things. And you know sometimes when you just hear someone explain something a certain way like you just did too. It, it really rings true, right? It's like wow, like you know, uh, I'm drafting off what other people like think. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to do what I want to think. You know, like how I think, and that's awesome. That's great. I would. Um, that's an awesome goal, Bubba. That's a. Uh, it it, it what, it's still going to be labeled caveman projections, though, right? But, oh, of but, course. Yes. Of course. Awesome. Yeah. Or something I think that's along. That's such a big sell. Road. That's yeah. a t a a, shirt. That's everything. It's a, got
1: it. A, it's a niche department. No one's really got <laughs> caveman. Like it would be great. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, what, what's your number three?
2: Um, so I want to try to. Um, so I was reading the forecaster and just looking at um, starting pitching, relief pitching, landscape in general. The last four or five years been such a shift in the amount of innings because the pit. You know, the starters are throwing and the relievers are the throwing, and I think when you have shifts in like leagues league landscape like that you 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 kind of have an opportunity maybe to find the next you know way to draft uh, a a team a next team build like a, a pocket aces per se but not pocket aces you know so i want to just attempt to you know implement and execute that next strategy like i know it's a daunting task but like i said i think i think it helps when landscape changes you know it's like when something changes like baseball's changing now, like you might be able to find something that may be able to work. You know, maybe it's like hybrid strategy of pitchers and you know, two or three inning pitchers like uh, you know, Freddie Haralhas and Louis Patino's, like who knows? Like well, whatever you find your way to do. So, um that's what I'm gonna try to do. I wanna try to come up with something really, you know, it's gonna take a lot of work and a lot of vision, but um I'm gonna try it. You know? Don't
1: crave like it looking forward to it because there's pocket aces i've heard the term full house for this year <laughs> oh, which is kind of wow. what a, in a roundabout way that's what i'm trying to do i didn't realize that's what it is but that's what people are doing um uh, i know guys in your vein of the kind of uh the Seth lugos of the world and stuff get franken aces put like two of those guys together to create an ace um that's more of a daily moves league so how do you do it in a npc league i'm with you it'd be, it'd be fun right. to find the next the next one for sure. Would
2: you say So Sorry, Frankenace.
1: Like Frankenstein, oh, Frank but in, yeah, oh, an gotcha. ace by using like two pitchers, like oh, um, nice. like a Steph Lugo, and when he was like a like a two or three inning guy with someone else, created Frankenace. Interesting. I like it. Yeah. I never heard that before. Where have I been? Yes. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's oh, uh, <laughs> um, my last one, and it's one I could probably put on every season because I need to get better and better at it. I want to be better with Fab. I, I, I really can't expand too much more than that. It's just I, I need to be more efficient with it. I need to be – I talk about it as, you know, don't just put in one move for a guy. That if you don't, you don't win that bid, he's still on your roster. Put in 12 moves so at least you get someone that you might be willing to use that week instead of like there, – there's a lot of the FAB process I really need to figure out that um, I, I need to continue to get better at. So FAB is a big one that I'm pretty sure
2: it's going to be on my list for quite a while. That's a great. That's great. I, you know what? I'm like kind of mad. I didn't pick that one too. Because <laughs> looking back, I'm like, yeah. That just hearing you say it now, like, yeah, I had a ton of work to do in that too. Especially with that backup. And, you know, it's really, and and like you say, get know how the league site works. You know, that's why I think that little brief intro I did to the NFC in a second chance league in 2019 helped me. It, it's still, I still, I felt like I was a ton behind. Like I was learning on the fly because this. But um, yeah, de- definitely understand and and know how to do that. It, it's 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 not easy, and I think that what and and this is what I learned in the main event. Like, I, it was sometimes I was looking at some of the batters going for like a buck or two, and I'm like, what are you know what are these guys gonna do this weekend? Those were the guys that were, you know, so. I'm missing something there that I wanna like, you know, reevaluate in my head. Like how how are these specific one or two dollar bids always outperforming the ones going for one twelve, you know? So yeah, stuff like that. Awesome, Bubba.
1: All right. The last resolution we have. What is one resolution that you want for yourself as a member of the fantasy community?
2: Oh, well, you know, I just wanna promise myself and my supporters that I, I, I want to get better, you know, as a, as a podcaster, as an analyst, as a fantasy player. Um, you know, I just, w- I, I want to become better at everything, better friend, a better person, all that fun stuff. You're just trying to better myself all the time and um, just having met so many people now and, you know, networking out is pretty cool. So I just want to really reinforce all those, you know, all, all the new, f- friendships i made i just want to really have like a nice you know uh community and so that's and also for like a full baseball thing too to incorporate more like i really want to try to get into the uh like the uh like the science of baseball like the swing path stuff you know the seam wake shift that i'm reading about now I'm like oh my god what is this stuff is it gonna so help me you know crazy. so like that's the thing is like and so, you know, I know, like, the whole age of information, like, it just explodes at you. Yeah? And it's just, like, the StackCast stuff, too. So maybe if this stuff is going to be the next thing, like, the point of contact, stuff like that, like, I want to understand the verbiage now. So when we're starting to, like, throw around stats, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what that means, you know. So it's like when you first, like, you know, get into analytics and you read about WOBA and, like, you know, you want to re- you have to know what it means, you know, to really use it. As a as an evaluation, so yeah, I I want to learn anything I can that in the scientific world and see if I can apply it into into fantasy because I know it could help me in baseball. Just watching oh, yeah. baseball, like you know, but you know, hopefully maybe find a way to apply it to winning fantasy.
1: No, I'm with you there. So yeah, we're pretty similar. Obviously, I want to get better at uh, uh, the growing the podcast. I want to be better at um, writing, and that's something as a goal I've had for like three straight years. And I'm writing more and more every year, so that's that's something I want to do because. If you think my k band projections are funny, you should have saw some of my first articles. Those are <laughs> entertaining. Um, but I think, I think if I had to pick one thing I really want to do better, and I, I mentioned it during the, the pandemic. I've done a little bit of it, but I'd like to do more. I want to get better at video content because I think that's definitely kind of a wave of the future. type. That's where everything's going, it feels like. Um, you're either podcasting or you're doing a video, like a vlog or something. Um, I'd like to do better at being able to like, edit videos and, used graphics and stuff along those lines. Right. That's one thing I really want to do this year.
2: That would be, yeah, that's cool. That's a good goal. That's something I think, and you're right. That's the thing. That's the next wave of, of attracting, you know, a crowd and, and, and just really getting out like, uh, content in a different way, you know, cause yep. some people just absorb things better too, you know, visually. Yep. So, uh, so, yeah, that's awesome, Bubba. I love yeah, for, it. Yeah, for some reason, people – like, I've always
1: had a face, for ra- or a face for radio, but people actually want to see it for some reason. And I, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't get it, but to each their own. Um, let's do some listener questions here. Our buddy David Mendelsohn, uh, from Triple Play Fantasy, he asks, what is it like winning that much money like you did in fantasy baseball? If I could win a sum like that, my fiancé might actually think the
2: amount of time I spend in this
1: world would be worth it.
2: Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh D Mendelson, I love Dave He's a, Yeah, so it's funny he mentioned the fiance, you know, being more accepted of that. You know, it's like it definitely helps, you know. It's like it does not hurt. <laughs> it it, it, it does not hurt. But you know, I'm lucky, I'm grateful. I had a wife who who pushed me, you know, to you know, to to try my hand in these things and not like say, Hey, you know, what are you doing? So she realized I love it and so anyway, it was a crazy feeling, you know. It was um I still can't really describe it. You know, it was, it was amazing. And it was also a complete shock, you know um, I, think I was saying before, like just for general context, like the end of 2019 sucked for like my whole family and me. So it, 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 the way, the way that it led to that, the podcast, and then winning that, it was just like, that was what like really um, took me over. Like took my body over, like, wow, like this, this just happened like that, you know, like it's like a fairy tale f- fucking story. S- excuse my language, but you know, it's like, it's, it really, it really was. And um, it was funny. I never forget it because I sat there staring at the screen. Bloomfield tweets me out, Hey, congrats. And I'm like, is it over? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> and like they didn't call me. <laughs> so it, was, it was pretty wild. You know, I was just so stuck. And I never forget the red zone was on in the background for hours you know when it ends and it plays the music oh, yeah. it was on it was on my tv until 10 o'clock ten thirty. Awesome. as i stared at my computer just like um you know it it was awesome you know i was frozen and but he, you know what's crazy and it's kind of like bugged me out like it's like what's you know what's going on in my head right now it's like it's um i have i have the mama mentality on my coffee table um and every day like I read a page or two just to get some like you know a little motivation a little Kobe motivation and one of the things that like really got me was like he said like one time when they won the championship he didn't feel like celebrating he took he shot bad from the free throw line that game and wanted to go work on free throws right and in my head like as as the clock is ticking and I'm winning I'm thinking in my head like how do I get better next year? You know, like that was already on my mind. So like, and I had to like refocus. My wife was like, can you just like enjoy it a little? Because I told <laughs> her how I was feeling. And she's like, what are you, what are you nuts? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah. I was so overwhelmed by that. So yeah, it was crazy, man. It was, it was just wild ride, you know, yeah. I'm grateful yeah, for that.
1: I understand. When I had my big win in uh, DFS, it was a wild one. So I, I totally, totally understand. It's a different experience. Was it baseball, um, Bubba? Yeah, MLB. I hit a uh, $4 entry for 50000
2: Oh, sweet, man. Yeah, I remember
1: watching the last game and then just kind of like sitting there on the couch staring at the TV. <laughs> like, what just happened? What just happened?
2: Yeah, what just oh, happened? My God, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, know, you, what,
1: I know what you're saying where you're just kind of sitting there like –
2: Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it's life changing, you know, and you and and you just don't know how to react, you know. So yeah. that's awesome, bro. It's good to hear that. I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: about three, four years ago, something like that. So that's pretty, <laughs> pretty sweet. Uh, our buddy Phil so we we mentioned him a few times. First question he has for you: Last year you won the DC by waiting on closers. Who's one sneaky closer going to after to pick four fifty that you think can give you fifteen plus saves in twenty twenty one?
2: Ooh, I like this one oh man so this is like it's funny when i got into the dc there's the first like place i went to to this, that i really wanted to break down was closers and like you mentioned it's a mess there's free agent that's gonna sign landscapes will change for sure but you know you still love to dig in and find that little nugget and um i wrote down like a couple of guys like wendell King, joe jimenez i still think can get there but my biggest target and I know a lot of people, you know, uh, saying that they just got Rafael Montero, but I still think actually Kendall Graveman's gonna be the guy. Um so Montero's are eligible in twenty twenty two. So I just don't think that a rebuilding team, you know, I'm looking at that context of, you know, are they gonna really drive up this guy's worth right now on a rebuilding team? And so when Graveman went to the pen too, he he velocity yeah he velocity. he went up like you know two miles an hour he had a 360 ra in the pen short short sample size but if you read you know i dug up some seattle uh, newspaper articles and um the coaches loved him and he seemed to really enjoy being in the pen and so that's a stab i already took and i think it's a stab i'll still take um late closer wise
1: You're like the second or third person that's told me I need to reevaluate Kendall Graveman, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look at that because I I just have horror stories of
0: beforehand, but
1: yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm, I need to dig back in there because he a great uh, price tag right now. Let's put that way. Um, The other question he asked, and I have a feeling he's part of this answer: Who are the all-star guests that are already booked for the pull hitter pod in January and February?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Phil, Phil knows he's always welcomed on. We we always talk about ways to get him on the show. We actually have some pretty so a pretty cool segment that we're going to start including into like the podcast I do. That's going to include Phil, but we're not ready to throw that out there into the world yet. But um, right now, uh, yeah. So I've I've scheduled some guys for January because one thing I think I'm just trying to be more a, a little more structured this year. Um, and looking ahead, you know, um. Now, obviously something I, I I wasn't used to. So just trying to set a specific schedule and at least just try to attempt to give people like a month. And some people, like, I don't know if I'm, if, if people respond like what this kid, not like it's a month in a head. Like, but you know, I'm just, just trying to like, you know, keep a nice structured thing. So I reached out to, you know, um, guys like Matt Matika and Todd Zola, they're going to come on. And uh, Steve Braun, uh, Scott gentstad um Maddie Wood. Um, so yeah. And, and, and of course, like everyone who I previously had on already, I'd love to get on again as we get close to, um, you know, the start of the season. Um, so yeah, that's that's what nice. I got. Yeah, that that's nice what. Murder,
1: my Murder's row right there. Yeah. Um, Richard Koloski asks, um, "Let's play." Eno Sarah "Would you rather?" So kind of a <laughs> I love loop.
2: how Eno jumped in. I'm sorry, but but I love how oh, he, he jumped it. in it last really night. Like, you. was this for me? <laughs> yeah.
1: So who has the better fantasy season and why? No equivocating, and yes, these players have different skill sets. So just would you rather uh, corner infield, Yohan Moncada or Paul Goldschmidt? Govi. Javi, at middle infield, Javi Baez or McNeil?
2: Oh, this one I thought – I thought uh, this was ended up being my closest one, and I'm going I'm, – I'm always a Javi guy. I'm um, like a recency buyer taking advantage of him where he's going right now, but I'm going return dollar value. I think what he's asking for and I'm going McNeil. I think he's going to shine with accumulating stats and an elite hit tool. So I'm going McNeil. Better team this year too.
1: Um, outfield, Bryce Harper or Kyle Tucker? I think I know uh, the answer here.
2: <laughs> I, you know what? But in terms of his question for return dollar value, I still think Harper is going to bring back more.
1: Harper's so underappreciated. He really
2: like, is, Bubba. I'm glad you said that because – uh, really you know is. what? You know what I kind of think he is. I think he's the Mike Trout of the second round. You know, like how oh. Mike Trout is like it's like oh, I can't lose a league with Trout. You can't lose with Harper in the second round. So that's my little analogy of him. So I still think in terms of return dollar value, I still think he'll. I think he's gonna out out Tucker by like a dollar or two.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there because and, Har- and Harper brings the floor, and but his ceiling can be crazy. We've seen that MVP true. ceiling. Oh cool man, Right. And then for pitcher – oh, you already answered this one. Corbin Burns or police hack
2: Burns. It burns.
1: Uh, it burns. Uh, the last question we have here is from my buddy Art from Triple Play Fantasy, a little cheesecake. Um, how are you addressing unsigned players? Are you following rumors, not letting uh, where they may sign affect your drafting? So we mentioned relievers, but there's also a lot of other players and positions that are unsigned. How is that affecting your drafting of these players?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um... That's a great question because I think it's a, like a case by case guy, uh, you know, um, for a guy like Carl Santana, I wasn't, when I was drafting him early in the year, I wasn't really worried about where he was going to end up. I thought he was just going to have a job no matter where he went. I was trying to like, I was kind of trying to look at um, the first couple of guys who signed and seeing the amount they were signed for compared to their war and just kind of see like, a Carl Santana still has a job. Like he's still he's still gonna be a starter first baseman. So I wasn't so worried about him. But um I guess guys like you know Osuna, um it makes a big difference on when they're gonna go. You know, DJ LeMayhu is um way off of you know, just stay away until he signs with the Yankees, you know, basically. But it's 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 tough because and one thing, look, the one thing I would say about following the news mining the news right is just got to be careful about what you're actually yeah. believing in you know because sometimes we just uh all right so you know that's what we want to be on that that gives us a little leverage a little edge but you know not every manager statement is clear-cut right Bubba like it there's nothing that's ever like oh this is this is what I'm saying so this is true so you can really kind of just you know it's tough it's a tough evaluation so I'm I'm if it's a guy who I think is going to land a job and, and, and a park, like he's the, like not a park affected guy, uh, I'm staying in on him at a reasonable price. But if it's a situation where the player, I'm like, eh, I don't know where he's going to sign or where he might play, then I'll be more reluctant to draft him.
1: I'm 100% with you. That's why Santana, I agreed I was all about because you knew he was going to get a job and his price was a lot different. Ozuna, you still have to pay a premium for him because of what he did last year and you have no idea where he's going. Right. So it's definitely a case by case basis, and I guess if I if I if I if I am really concerned, I'm just going to pass, and it might stink. But that's the that's kind of the part about drafting early. You right. draft an early, take advantage of some, and you'll get hurt on others. That's just how it's going to work. Um, how do you want to take the the approach in the draft? So right, right now, I probably wait more often than not. But all right, Rob, that'll wrap us up on the Hit. episode. Final thoughts? Plug away. Do all your good stuff.
2: All right. Well, again, thank you, Bubba. Again, it was amazing just being, um, able to come on the show. Like I said, I really looked up to you since I really started listening to pods. And so I respect the hell out of what you're doing. Um, so yeah, you can find me at, at Deadpool hitter on Twitter. Um, I also have a page for the pod at, uh, pull Hitter pod at the pull Hitter podcast. Um, have a website, com. I don't have tons of articles on there. But again, like you mentioned, I really want to, you know, try to hammer that home this year, writing a couple of articles um, a week. Um, and, yeah, that's where you can find me. Hit me up. Let's talk about life, you know. Um, just want to meet nice people who aren't bags of shit and want to talk about good things in the world, you know. That's it. It's Thank not you. that hard, Bubba.
1: No, it's not. It really is. It's not hard to be a nice person. Yeah. But uh, yeah, check out Rob on Twitter. He's an awesome dude. Awesome dude. Very open to conversation. He's a heck of a fantasy player. So go check out all that good stuff. And uh, thanks for joining me, my friend. We will do it again sometime.
2: Thank you, Bubba. Yep, absolutely. Happy right, New Year's Eve. You, yeah,
1: happy yeah. New Year's to you and to yeah. all the listeners. Rolling
2: out of 2020 with Bubba. 20, this is
1: great. 2021. Hopefully better and bigger and better things to come. Absolutely. But uh, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 331 with Rob DiPietro.